Dosri Nune Gor Holodeck Cash. Welcome to the Holodeck is Broken, a Star Trek rewatch podcast. I'm your Captain Laura. I grew up watching most of Star Trek. I'm your first officer, Mac. I've watched way too much Star Trek. I'm Eris, your communications officer, and I've seen some of it. I'm Z, chief security officer, and I have no idea what's going on. Our seven-year mission. To rewatch all of Star Trek from the very beginning. Boldly going where everyone but me has gone before. Hey, everyone. I'm Laura. I'm Mac. I'm Eris. And I'm Z. And welcome back to another episode of The Holodeck is Broken. And this week, our uh, indefatigable away team will uh, go ahead and take a look at the next two episodes of the original series, Shore Leave and the Galileo 7. One weird one and one kind of dull one. I'll let you decide which one is which. <laughs> Anybody have thoughts on Shore Leave to begin with? There was I... so much happening here. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just start it off with that? <laughs> I feel like this episode is where people started shipping uh, Spock and Kirk a lot. You think? Yeah. Well, I was there are a couple times where I found myself thinking if I didn't ship Spock with Ahura, I would definitely be shipping him with Kirk. Right. Because like in the beginning, like he's <laughs> Kirk is like he's like, oh yeah, get it right there, but higher, higher, whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. Spock. <laughs> Because I thought there was plenty of evidence of that before then, but I think, yeah, this is where <laughs> their essentially platonic relationship gets a little more physical. Yes, yeah, that's what I was like, oh, they definitely banged. They're not yeah. just thinking about it. <laughs> if they haven't banged, they want to bang. Right. For sure. This this entire episode was very fanficy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, in multiple levels of that, like, A, this, the entire planet ends up being one big, like, fanfic generator, but also, <laughs> like, just the fact that the writers in the Star Trek writing room were like, let's have an episode where they just, like, all their imagination comes true. Like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. We could talk about Alice in Wonderland. Ha <laughs> ha. You know, like, it just seemed it's very, a like. episode, yeah. Yeah, yep. Exactly. Also, I called it at three minutes and 14 minutes in, or three minutes and 14 seconds in, um, I, I wrote down, it's Fantasy Island. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, they never return back to it. It's one of those planets with an amazing thing to it that is never addressed again. Like Earth 2, never addressed again. The the pleasure planet, never addressed again. Yeah. And you think in later seasons, you know, Risa maybe wouldn't be the popular shore leave planet this one would right. be. But no? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if I showed up there, like, I, all my worst nightmares would come true. Because I'm such an anxious person that I'd be like, oh, cool, there's some hot ladies. What if they think I'm ugly and they smack me? And then, like, they, <laughs> they smack me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I just, there's so many weird character choices yes. they make in this one. Yeah. I just, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> like, okay, the easiest one to pick on, Angela Martine. Her hub, her almost husband literally just died. Yes. And she's hitting on another person immediately. Um, she's the spy. She's she is a the spy. She moved on way also, too fast. Right. He smacks her into a tree. Right. <laughs> like just clotheslines her, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh god, and then, oh god, Sulu with the fucking gun. Uh just like I'm gonna find a 
multiple times into the wilderness. Ha ha, what fun. And I'm like, Sulu, I was I was rooting for you. Like, come on. <laughs> where where we found out that Sulu is a member of the NRA, even in the 23rd century. <laughs> yeah. I love this gun. Shut up, Sulu. Put it down. <laughs> when uh when that rock opened up or whatever to like to show the gun, I thought of that uh, a knife vine, whatever, where she's like, she's like, what do you have? And the little kid's like, a knife. And she's like, no. <laughs> yeah, that's me. I'm the mom in that moment. <laughs> I have a very weird comment. Okay. Uh, all right. Does it feel like everyone that Kirk knew and grew up with is like, of Irish descent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They always have an Irish last name. And maybe it's just coincidence. Maybe it was some weird thing in the 60s where they thought Irish last names were sexy. I, <laughs> and not that they're not, but it was so, it, it's bizarre. Every time there's a character from his past, it, it feels like he just hung out in like Irish pubs as a child or something. There, there's, in, in <laughs> Iowa. The only, in I, Iowa. The, the only Irish pub in Iowa. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's Finnegan, and then Ruth is kind of a, a, a super Irish name. Yeah. 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 Isn't, isn't Kirk Scottish? Like, as a, like last name Kirk? Uh, Ooh, that would, yeah, that would make sense. I, it's never really explored his lineage going back, so. I think it uh, means church or something. Yeah, I yeah, there's I think, a yeah, church right. in Tulsa, Kirk of yeah. the Hills. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Kirk, but you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. They're just really big fans of Star Trek over there. <laughs> hey, look, if Star Wars can get its own religion, you know, <laughs> why not Star Trek? As Rod Perry always said, uh, L. Ron Hubbard had it right. There's way more money in religion than science fiction. There's so much going on with this, and I, I feel like there's questionable character choices. <laughs> I get. This this episode was. I, I'm gonna There's... tell on my husband for just a minute because um, we're watching this episode and he goes, "I like Bones as a romantic lead," and I looked at him and I'm like, "Uh, with her though," and it took him about five seconds, but finally he got there. Yeah, <laughs> a young for him. A little but, bit. Yeah, I liked him. He he wasn't like. Spock with all the emotional distance, and he isn't like Kirk, like, show me your tits. He, he was just <laughs> gallant and romantic. I liked that, but I would have preferred him having an age-appropriate uh, yeah. foil for that. Yeah. I, uh, by the end of the episode, I literally wrote down, Bones, you are a fucking horn dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got, like, the, the two, like, showgirl dressed ladies on his arm. <laughs> Big old fuzzy bras. I'm <laughs> like, oh my God. That, that's why he requested the Enterprise, because his his lasciviousness would be totally masked by Kirk's yes. horniness. Like everybody like, oh that Kirk, he's so horny. And Bones is like, yes, Kirk is the horny one. <laughs> <laughs> um I wanted to point out something super creepy that's just kind of on par for Kirk though. Um, once he gets down there uh, and they split up, Kirk sends Bones to go after the rabbit and he's like, I'll backtrack the girl. And I was just like, one, she's too young, but two, of course you will. You know, creeper. <laughs> There's a female on this planet. I have to go see her. Right. Also, okay, so, so yes, Kirk, but kind of backing off his 
all the character choices with them. Ruth, <laughs> is this just me? Or was she dressed exactly how I would imagine, or one might imagine, Hell, the goddess of death? like from Norse mythology that like half white lace half black and roses I, yeah. I would imagine you were the only one to go there immediately oh okay because I was like it's, it's death Kirk run away I know she's pretty but she's literally the goddess of death it, it, it is a valid insight but I've seen this episode probably a dozen times over the last 30 years and that that thought has never crossed my mind oh okay also is Ruth dead like is that an, like What's going on with that? Not dead. She's just in her 30s now and of less interest to him. Right. That's <laughs> true. Uh, it's true, but why, why can't I call him out like that? No, please call him out like that. No, I, I, this is part of my like, therapy of getting rid of Kirk as a role model in my life. <laughs> it's like Kirk is like, I only want to date 19-year-olds. Sir, you're 40. Yeah, I think that fits with, like, every single episode, I... I think about what what exactly is a yeoman? What is their job function? And (laughs) yeah, this time I wrote down, are they a secretary, an errand runner, a waitress, a geisha? Like, I'm really not sure. (laughs) It's it's wild coming in from here because you can definitely tell because there's a good handful of yeomans over the next half a dozen to a dozen episodes. And you can tell that in the first draft, it was Janice. Yeah. But then they fired Grace Lee Whitney and was like, oh, just put anybody in the dress and we'll be fine. <laughs> I thought that, I'm pretty sure Yeoman is actually, like, much is the same way Lieutenant is, a, like, an actual, like, command title kind of thing. I think Yeoman also is one, although I don't know what, like, the actual Navy equivalent is. But at least with Star Trek, I'm pretty sure it's, like, the um, military equivalent of a file clerk. <laughs> It's just, like, the people who get stuff and do things, you know? Anytime you need an intern, you're like, intern, go pick up my laundry. That's the file clerk. But they're always always so weirdly obsessed about Kirk and loyal to him. And, like, anytime something happens, they're draped all over his arms, like, protect me! That, I feel like, is more like there's an understood agreement on the USS Enterprise that if you can like I don't know bang Kirk you get like promoted faster or something <laughs> I kind of wonder if there's a little so, bit of like or, <laughs> or Kirk so obnoxious that once he bangs you he gets you off the ship and that's yeah. the only off the ship is, to, is through <laughs> his dick not only do I have a promotion and a raise I am no longer in the face of danger this is yeah. great <laughs> This star base is pretty chill, and I'm a lieutenant now. Fuck all y'all. It was worth it. I made it. I mean, that's what I would do, probably. You're like, what do you mean? Wait, hold up. This is, if you promote me, that's a grade, that's a grade 12 pay raise? Yes. It's like, you paid me minimum wage before. Of course, there's no money in Gene Roddenberry's future. So there, so all the yeomans are doing, you know, coffee service and office things out of a sense of purpose. Uh, always in the away party. Always. There's always a yeoman. Yeah, because well, sometimes they might need coffee down there. They, I guess. Red and green chunks, you know, yeah. something. <laughs> oh, I love yeah, me I, some red and green chunks. There's just something... Um, not wrong, but just very deeply unexplained about the uh, world building and power stru- structure and everything. 
And it never gets completely solved. The The world of the United Federation of Planets has, at its core, a lot of logical cons- inconsistencies mm-hmm. that, at best, I think, like, Deep Space Nine handles the larger world the best. And the best they can do it sometimes is just hang a lampshade on it. Like, <laughs> uh, what does it mean you don't earn money? And they're like, well, we don't. And they're like, okay, but that's dumb, so I guess we're not talking about this anymore. I, I uh, respect the attempt to make like a post-capitalistic world. I don't know. I feel like, like, can you please explain to me? Because like, I too am looking to make a post-capitalistic world and I would like some pointers. <laughs> like, please, maybe workshop some of these ideas on how it might work. It, it all happens by sort of fiat, they, you know. Yeah, they, unfortunately, it all starts with World War Three, but. <laughs> right, it has to get a lot worse before it gets any better, first of all. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm going to look outside real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and then they invent warp drive, and that somehow solves all of their problems. Hooray. Yeah. Like, step one, World War Three. Step two, faster than light travel. Step three. No profit for anybody. Underwear gnomes all over again. (laughs) I feel a little like this episode, they just didn't write it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you got an Alice in Wonderland costume? Bring that shit in here. Right. Because the the whole fight scene with with Kirk and that, that dude, like, it took forever. And I feel like. Yeah. Shatner just wanted to show off for 20 minutes. Like I fell off, so yeah. <laughs> or they they only they had barely 20 minutes of episode and 50 minutes to fill. Right. So it's just like, <laughs> hey, just do this for a while and we'll film it and see what happens. Okay. Speaking of fight scenes, um, I want to point out that they had the samurai guy attack the only Asian guy there. Yep. Like, yeah. Can we say racist? Is that? Can we point that out? <laughs> Or were they trying, like, hard not to be racist and they thought that was the way to do it? In the in the circle of racism, they tried to go so hard the other direction, they came back the other way. Right. Yeah. I don't, maybe, I mean, George Takei is not one to fall short of calling out racism, and he's never really mentioned this as a particularly offensive part of the show for him. So, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I just thought it was no. kind of suspicious that they were like, you know what the Asian guy would be thinking about? Samurai. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which yeah. seems inconsistent inside of their own show logic because we already know that Sulu absolutely thinks of the three musketeers and like swordsmen right. and stuff. Yeah, you know, well, like he should be thinking yeah. about like Napoleonic era pirates. <laughs> On that note, uh, we should probably get to our commercial break. Have you ever wandered around a place that you're unfamiliar with? I have. Have you ever felt like you were being watched? Yes. Well, it was probably some strange TV antennas. But don't worry, they're your friends. Oh, good. Hi, I'm Leroy, the alien from the end of the episode whose name I've forgotten. I run this pleasure planet. And if you come here, whatever's in your mind will come and meet you. So if you're anxious or upset, or uh, suffer from any kind of mental illness, stay the fuck away! Otherwise, come on down for a great, gentle, calm, good time. I cannot stress enough how much you can't come here if you're not alright. We've had a lot of not alright people, and it's been not alright all over the place. It's really bad. It's okay, Leroy. It's okay. Thank you. Fantasy Island, now in planet form. 
<laughs> so, our commercial break, which begins thusly, uh, with our various public service messages. Wear a mask. Consent matters. Consent matters. Consent matters. Keep washing your hands, for the love of God. Keep washing your hands. Black Lives Matter. Nope. Uh, register to vote if it's already hasn't isn't too late to do so, and remember to vote. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gotta do both parts, yep. Uh, yeah, if you're mailing your ballots, mail them early, and also make sure you put them in the little secrecy envelope that they provide you. Yes. Yes, yes. Stop <laughs> pirating books. <laughs> there are libraries. A lot of libraries have suggestion forms of things that they can purchase for you in the future. Please, if you can't afford books, use your library. Stop pirating them, because then authors literally can't get paid to write more of the books you want. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. Soapbox over. <laughs> I, I got a tweet from some guy saying, hey, I loved your book, and I hadn't gotten an Amazon royalty check in months. And I'm like, bullshit, you did. Pay creators, imagine that. Pay creators for their work, yes. Yeah, stop reposting art while uh, we're on this soapbox. <laughs> until until we have a post-capitalistic society. Oh, yes. Yeah. At that point, like, we can talk about it. it. Once I get to the point where I have to, you know, stop literally balancing my food budget with my electrical bill budget, you know, like, then we can talk. When I'm no longer food insecure, like, then we can talk about reposting my art. Until then... Well, I have to eat ramen. The least you can do is leave my art alone. Any other messages of social enlightenment we need to <laughs> spread to our listeners? Water is life. Water is life, yes. Yeah. Self care is important. So, you know, take a nap. And if it makes you feel better to buy that My Little Pony, you know, playset, then, like, by all means, you know, that's what you need to do. Yeah. Vote in all down ballot races, get involved in the lower races yes. as well. Yes. Uh, vote in every election. Uh, vote in every election. Tip but... your waitress. Yeah. Yes. yes. Delivery people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like extra because they're risking their lives now. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Every time somebody comes to your house, you should tip them. Yes. Oh, I'll come over to your house. Yeah. <laughs> like, in the before times, in the long, long ago, you guys were over at my house all the time. <laughs> You tip Mac, uh, like retroactively. <laughs> no, he tips us. Uh, yeah. That's true. Yeah, by, yeah. by the original logic, I owe you money. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. You could buy some books or some art. Yeah. yeah. Which I food. Yeah. <laughs> and this is not an all inclusive list of things people should do to live in a society. It is merely just what is in our mind at this particular moment. Gentle reminders, you know, sometimes it helps to get a little refresher every once in a while. Absolutely. Yep. On the business side of our commercial, if you enjoy our talkings, uh, you should check out As the Myth Turns with your cultural interns. Eris and Z. They air shows on weeks that we are off, and we've come up with a plan for them to start recording shows together again. Yay! We're so excited. All of these shows, including The Fourth Wall, which is available in its entirety, will be... uh, found on partyapocalypse.com in the very near future because we're going to start migrating as the myth turns over to the site. Uh, Also go there for blogs, the books, and my movie reviews. If you guys like watching games, I play games over uh, on YouTube. Search for my username, Eris O'Reilly, and you can watch me play some uh, pretty wickedly modded Skyrim where I turned it into the Legend of Zelda. Nice. I'm doing that with CJ. Yeah, he also, on the same channel, 
but a different playlist. I've got it separated for you guys for easy viewing pleasure. He is playing Darkest Dungeon, which is a Lovecraftian horror game. And um, he keeps telling me books are bad in it. um, And I have yet to see any evidence. So one of these days I will steal the mouse from him and make him read the books and drive us all insane. (laughs) Cool. Z, you got anything? Um, uh, uh, no. (laughs) Okay, that's that's okay. You don't have to have anything. You're part of the Party Now Apocalypse family. You're Apocalypse Later family. You have things. We're we're all things. This is a thing. One of us. One of us. One of us. I was going to join, but then I was the only one doing it, so... Well, we're not, not a well, very good cult. <laughs> I'm, oh. I don't pay my dues. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. Anything else about Shoreleaf before we go to the sort of yawn-inducing Galileo 7? I uh, wrote down Acid Trip as an alternate title, but then I also just wrote the comment, 60s TV was weird. So I think that just pretty much includes encompasses that episode <laughs> yeah at the end of the episode whenever the strange alien guy came and leroy as we have dubbed him um came <laughs> and did his reveal or whatever where he was like it's all a fantasy where was angela what did, did that guy just like, run under the tree and leave her there like what, what? she was a spy yeah her Rosalind masters came and found her <laughs> yeah yeah, that, that was her exit. She was, like, <laughs> signaling the warbird to come get her. And, like, this is the perfect time. They're they're worried about Alice in Wonderland and some bullshit. <laughs> Extract me now. Oh. Yeah, this this episode was weird. <laughs> hard, hard. I, as, as weird as it was, I kind of liked it. It was definitely off the wall. And, like, like definitely compared to Galileo 7, there was yeah. just a lot of stuff. It, like, I don't know if I, I thought it was good. But it kept my interest all the way through. Like, wait, what? Right. What? I had seen it before. I'm like, oh yeah, shit, that happened. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it was good, but yeah. I, I liked it. Maybe it's just in comparison to Galileo Seven, because Gal, I, I have one note for Galileo Seven, which is boring, circled like five times. I have barely five. I, I thought I was going out on a limb saying it was a little bit boring, but I, uh, yeah, I guess I was. I'm in good company. <laughs> I uh. I have lots of thoughts about Galileo 7, and none of them kind, so. <laughs> uh, that, I, I think we could move over to Galileo 7, except for, I just checked the Star Trek wiki, and the alien at the end does not have a name. He is just referred to as Caretaker. Oh, well, his so, name is Leroy His now. name is Leroy now. <laughs> On that note, let's move over to Galileo 7. <laughs> I just, um, no, I'm going to let people say their stuff first before I drag out my gigantic soapbox and then climb atop it and then rant it for the rest of the episode. So I, I, Z said they have one note and it was boring written over and over again. I have three. One is the word shuttle bay with an exclamation mark, which is the first time we see the shuttle bay. Mm. The second one is remember kids when the chips are down, acting illogically will be the only thing that saves you. (laughs) And number three, we all had a good laugh at quote, get us off Scott, unquote. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I, I will 
point out one awesome thing about this episode, which is always the illustrious Uhura. She got to be a badass on the bridge because, like, Spock wasn't there. So she did her job plus Spock's job all at once while no one else on the bridge was doing anything useful. Yeah, that's true. Like, even the yeoman was bringing around coffee to people when all the dudes are like, I don't know, what's happening? How can we help? We can't do anything. <laughs> yeoman's yeah. paid, was all like, fuck that coffee shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, here I am, doing everything myself. I think this episode was so boring that I invented a subplot in my mind that I was, like, tracking in my notes that I was writing. <laughs> and, I mean, it was certainly not true in any means, but, like, Whatever the hell a galactic high commissioner is, that weird dude at the beginning, yeah, like, the <laughs> yeah, they were they were expositioning at each other for a long time, him and Kirk, mm -hmm. and then, but they were just antagonistic at each other, like, so at one point I just wrote down, wait, is the commissioner Kirk's dad? And <laughs> like, I felt like that would have been way more interesting to find out that they're actually like father and son or brothers or something, because why did they hate each other so bad? <laughs> There's got to be some type of, like, deep-seated family trauma, like, spurring that on. <laughs> uh, the Galactic High Commissioner was Ruth's father. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ah, that, ooh! There you go. Mm, yeah, father-in-law vibes there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm dragging out the soapbox now. So it's time for Eris' Soapbox! <laughs> real real quick before I talk about Spock. This is the weirdest shuttle layout I have ever seen. Yes. <laughs> Why are the driving mechanisms behind the seats? <laughs> what? Yeah. What? <laughs> anyway, speaking of things that like should make sense, would be easy to make sense, and then they just completely miss the mark. Honestly, I I I'm gonna say it this way. I find it strange. <laughs> strange may not be the right word, but I find it strange that Spock can't logic his way through other people's emotions. Um, he, I mean, he, as as much as like he has been made as this uh, character, this like very logic. I don't understand. Like I don't get emotion, or I don't allow emotions to to uh, influence my thought pattern. We also know that he does have emotions. We we get it with um, that one episode, Yay on Back, with like, he's like crying all the time. Emotions are trackable. You can look at any set number of people, especially if you have like a lot of contact with them over time and kind of figure out their moods and figure out how they're going to react to things. So like, he's been on this ship for how damn long and he can't figure out that... Yeah, that crewman, this is going to happen. And, yep, right on cue, like, he's going to react like that. Like, that is in itself a scientific endeavor to track other people's emotions. So why hasn't Spock figured this out yet? I just, like, I feel like they threw Spock under the bus this episode to make him, like, kind of, like, the weird, like, moral point to this whole episode. A whole, like, science bad, emotion good kind of thing. And I'm like, <clears throat> <laughs> he should have been able to figure this out way earlier. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, in the context of it being relatively early in the show, it, it kind of makes sense. But we've already established at this point that Spock's served on the Enterprise at the very least for over 10 years. So yeah. you're you're right on the money. Yeah. He, and he, also, this is episode what? Like 15, 16? I mean, like, well, this is yeah. episode five. Like, we're kind of into this show now. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm just like... 
And, and here's the thing. Spock is slowly becoming my favorite character. So now I feel like weirdly, like maternally defensive whenever they throw his characterization <laughs> under the bus. And I'm just sort of like, no, Spock, Spock would be smarter than this. Eris, you're t- quickly becoming a Star Trek fan is what you're saying. <laughs> no, no, no. One of us, one of us. <laughs> okay, but yeah, I do like Spock. I really do. And I'm just like, ugh. Like. I, the whole episode, I was like, but Spock is right. Why are these people pushing back so hard on him? And why are they oddly obsessed with doing an actual funeral in a life or death situation? At, the, at a certain point, you just got to be, you know what? No, we got to get off this planet like now. <laughs> right, yeah. And just like, and even so, like, even if like they definitely do, like, I feel like if you had edited this show, if I had edited this show, <laughs> this particular episode, um, I would have, like, it would, like, the guy would have died. They'd be like, oh my God. And then Spock would be like, I recognize that you are all grieving and that this is a loss of a crewmate. Let's go ahead and take five minutes to say some words before we get our asses off of this planet. Obviously, he wouldn't necessarily use those curse words, but, like, you know, like... Or as... a logical person can be like, this was a trauma. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Or as most Starfleet officers would, and do in subsequent adventures, realize that the words and the memorial services and that time Mm -hmm. is for after you're out of danger. Like, (laughs) quite notably, and this is not a big spoiler, because it's a big, you know, uh, thing, he... Spock dies. He comes back. But Spock dies. And it's not like in the middle of him dying and they're trying to outrun this doomsday weapon that they go ahead and have the funeral. They wait until they're done with the doomsday weapon and then have the funeral. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. I'm just like, oh. I feel like so many of the choices they made for the characters and for Spock in this episode was basically like, Spock is the other, so we need to address his otherness and like make him more of a human by the end of it, by proving that he too has emotional, like, you know, outbursts or whatever. And it's just sort of like, yeah, I'm just like, anyway. Yeah. It's a frustrating episode. And then you have somebody like bones who is a doctor and presumably Mm -hmm. that means he's a scientist and I feel like he could have better helped Spock navigate that than he did. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, Bones just seemed to just pile on him too, whereas he could have been the one to be like, you know, you know, maybe these men just need a moment or they need a strong, you know, something. I just felt like Bones could have like done something a little bit more in the moment to help in that situation. Instead, right. he was just like, no, I'm with these nameless guys that we just met 30 minutes ago on the, right. <laughs> on the shuttle. <laughs> like they may be science officers, but they're definitely red shirts. Um. <laughs> and it was great when they, after they crashed or whatever, and I forget who it was, Spock or Scotty or someone was like, well, we need to dump the weight of three grown men. I'm like, we have three expendable grown men on this ship right now. <laughs> That's why Starfleet Procedure, you take three people you don't know the last names of <laughs> with you on the shuttle every time. Yes, yep. yes. All leading up to this point, um, they, they keep telling me Bones is a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Bones seems to do nothing but, like, drink and talk about people's feelings. So I'm like, is he actually just, a, like, a, a psychologist? <laughs> right. like, I'm like, I was going to say psych- 
psychiatrist, and I'm like, maybe he doesn't even have the medical degree. Maybe he's not allowed to write prescriptions. Maybe, because, like, his prescriptions thus far have been, you need some R&R, or, here, have this very expensive alien wine with me. I, I, I think, like, is he a doctor doctor? <laughs> I think he's definitely written as a, like a doctor on Westerns, Western shows of the era were, where, like, the town doctor, yeah. I, he says he has a medical degree, and, and he's got plenty of moonshine to dull the pain. Isn't the town doctor, like, also qualify as, like, the barkeeper? Like, yeah. sometimes they <laughs> yeah. work the same person. Or the, the town blacksmith is also your <laughs> doctor. Yeah. The barber. Yeah. In medieval times, yes, the barber, the barber right. and the doctor were one and the same. <laughs> yes. I can cut your hair or I can cut your leg off, whichever. Yep. But yeah, yeah. I mean, and yes, it is. It is very um, character trope archetype. But yeah. I'm also just like Bones. Are you doctor? Are you? Are you? Uh, are you no, sure? no. Notably, in a future episode, he will distribute a. You know, not the one you're thinking of. Oh, okay. Yeah. Notably, he will distribute a highly controlled substance to a crewmate and accidentally inject himself and cause the Nazis to take over planet Earth in the past. Oh, hey, so where are we? So, 2020? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, there's so many things going on with that statement. Um, <laughs> there pretty much is, and there's going to be a lot more. I'm just, okay, first of all, highly controlled substance. Okay, that's a lot of medicine, you know? That's why you need a doctor to write you a prescription. But he injects himself. Accidentally. As he <laughs> You don't accidentally <laughs> inject yourself with heroin. Come on. Right, right. Like, that seems like on, on purpose. Well, um, <laughs> or just real true buffoonery. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to that episode. That'll be fun. <laughs> I'm just like, oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm very pro Spock. I'm pro Uhura. I'm kind of, eh, Kirk. I love to make fun of him. And um, I have to admit, I'm kind of like, I'm souring on bones. I, I, these two episodes, I'm kind of like bones. What you, get, get, get your head out of your ass! Come on. Um, I'm definitely souring on Kirk. I I, I want to believe the best of bones, and uh, I want Scotty to have more to do. Yes, mm. I want I want to get to that point where he's a bigger character. Yeah, same. Same. Yeah. Well, we're. Almost out of time. Does anybody else have anything else to add about the Galileo 7 before we sign off for this episode? Boring. <laughs> Seconded. They could have done so many other things, and they decided to do this. Yeah, and I, I'm not even sure about the, the actual danger that they were in, because let's be honest, those aliens were really bad at throwing spears. <laughs> right? <laughs> Like, I, I don't even think your lives were in that big of a danger. So the whole situation was just weird. <laughs> I think, was it this episode where the where the where one of the guys that died just stood there while the thing was approaching very slowly at it? I'm like, you could have run away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next time, our away team will be watching The Squire of Gothos, or as I like to call it, Misbehaving Godman Part 4. <laughs> 93 following right after that arena which is a uh, very uh iconic episode of the series so we will uh see you all that uh then anybody else got anything else 
need your reference, just listen to Spock. Just yes. listen to Spock. Yeah. Or Uhura. Yes. Or Uhura. Yes. Yeah. If, if you're in doubt, one or the other will probably get you through. If those two, two ever of the three competent the people on the ship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Cool. Bye. Bye. Bye.